Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that speaks to us and is living. I pray, God, this morning that you would open our hearts this morning, that we might hear from you. And it's in your name that we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. So as I mentioned, we are now in the season of Epiphany, the season of the light of Christ. And this is a season in which we uh, contemplate with, with greater clarity who God is and what his mission is. Here we experience the illumination of his knowledge, the warmth of his presence. But the light of Christ is a metaphor for spiritual realities. And the reality is that God's kingdom is actually here now. God's kingdom is here. In fact, the king himself has arrived. That means that, or what, what we mean by this when we talk about the light of Christ is that we can actually hear the voice of the king, that we can befriend his followers, that we can rest in his home, that we can walk in his freedom, and that we can smell the fine food and drink that he prepares for us. The king is here, and he's inviting you to experience his reign. So our gospel reading came from Mark this morning, and for the rest of the liturgical year, so now until next Advent, our Sunday gospel readings will usually come from Mark. There's a few exceptions to that, but uh, for this ministry year, we'll be in Mark, and that doesn't mean that I'm always going to preach from Mark. It just means that uh, part of our Sunday readings will be from there. Um, Now, the gospel being read, yeah, so like I said, the gospel will always, or most uh, usually be from Mark. So it's important, important to know that Mark is writing to the church in Rome. And this is a diverse community of Christians. These are Christians who are both Jews and Gentiles, but all of them, regardless of their uh, ethnic background, their histories, all of them have devoted themselves fully to King Jesus and his rule. And because of this, they have been persecuted quite heavily by the kingdoms and the powers of this world. They have been shunned and betrayed by their family members. They've been captured and beaten by the Roman authorities. And some have even been taken to the Colosseum and handed over to wild animals for the sake of entertainment. And so what Mark is doing, this gospel writer, is he's, he's gathering together these stories of Jesus Christ that are well known to the believers already by this time. And he's gathering all those stories and he's sending them to the believer, he's sending this story to the believers in Rome as if to say, your suffering, brothers and sisters, is not in vain. When you suffer, you participate in the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. In your baptism, you are clothed in his righteousness. You are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you are held in the hand of the Father. Elsewhere in the New Testament, there is a letter written to this same church in Rome. And at that moment, the church is told, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus your Lord. You see what the believers are reminding themselves, what the apostles are telling church communities all throughout the New Testament world, the ancient world, is that you belong to the kingdom of God. So with that in mind, let's look to Mark chapter 1, where there's three principles that I'm going to be pulling out uh, from this passage. So do you notice how this passage begins? It says, now after John, that is uh, John the Baptist, now after John was arrested, and then it continues. The word for arrested is used actually a lot in Mark's gospel. It's it's translated a bunch of different ways. It's used probably about 19 so times. And it can be translated into English as like betrayed. Uh, Arrested could be translated as delivered. Or uh, what I think is most authentic is handed over would be a really good translation. 
So for example, later in Mark chapter 9, Jesus predicts his, his own death, saying, the Son of Man is going to be handed over into the hands of men. And then in Mark 14, Judas sought the opportunity to betray or hand over Jesus. And then later, uh, the chief priests hand over Jesus. Again, it says that, that he's handed over to Pilate. And then eventually, it says again, Mark says, he is, that Jesus is handed over to be crucified. This is a common word over and over. And yes, on one level, we could say that this is a, a human action that's happening, that it's humans that are handing over the various prophets of God. But as one reads through the Gospel of Mark, and as one meditates on the story, you begin to consider that perhaps it's God himself who is orchestrating this grand plan. Maybe it's God himself, it's the hand from heaven is preparing the way for the redemption of the entire human race. God is in control, is what Mark is subtly telling us here. So in, with this in mind, Jesus steps out, and the first words that we hear from Jesus recorded in the Gospel of Mark are this. The time is fulfilled, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So this begs the question, what exactly is being fulfilled? Is it just that he's old enough now and he can, he can step out? Or, or now that John's kind of out of the way, he can step into the limelight? What, what is it? What does it mean that this is fulfilled? Well, it means that the entire Old Testament is fulfilled. All of the Old Testament scriptures are now fulfilled in Jesus Christ. God's promises to Abraham that through his household, all the other households of the earth would be blessed. God's promises to David that God himself would one day come down and dwell with his people. God's promise to Eve that through her offspring, one would come to crush the head of the serpent. The time is fulfilled, Jesus says. And I wonder what was going through his own mind, just how long he has waited for this moment to say this in Galilee to the Jewish people. He is saying here, I am inaugurating the kingdom of God. Now, we Anglicans uh, and other sacramental traditions love to say things like matter matters, right? That, that God takes the physical things of this world and imbues them with his grace and his presence. But the same can be true of time. Time matters as well. God takes the time of this world, every single hour, minute, and second of this world, and imbues it with his grace. And I think that we, especially as a nomadic church, uh, as a church that's kind of bebopped around throughout South Minneapolis at a bunch of different places, uh, I think it's important for us to understand that as well. So we can often be, uh, perceive all of these various movings and, and whatnot as random, delayed, haphazard, all of that. But I think that this is actually a part of God's design for our own congregation, his well-ordered, finely tuned, precisely executed plan. Now, for those of you who were able to join us on our church our, our all church Zoom call last week, you know that we have some pretty exciting developments that are coming uh, in store for our church. And these are things that weren't possible uh, six months ago, 12 months ago, 24 months ago, whatever. But now it seems as if we are seeing things unfold in God's precise, fine-tuning, intentional way. And it's exciting. So stay tuned for that. But my first point, what, if I could summarize all of that, I would say it this way. In the fullness of time, Jesus inaugurates his kingdom. So one can be tempted to think that 
Jesus's proclamation of the gospel that we read uh, in, those, in those first um, passages, or those first couple of verses, is sort of a, a separate story than Jesus walking along Galilee and calling the, dis, calling the disciples. But to think that those are two uh, separate, disconnected events would be a big mistake. Alexander Schmemann, who's a, a, a theologian in the Eastern Orthodox Church, uh, wrote a, an amazing book called For the Life of the World. Uh, if you haven't read it yet and you're enchanted by um, sacramental theology, that's a great place to jump. Uh, that's a great book to jump into, For the Life of the World, Schmemann. So anyway, he said this. He said the icon of God's kingdom is the church. The icon of God's kingdom is the church. So in other words, if you want to see God's kingdom, if you want to know what it's like, if you want to talk to the people uh, in God's kingdom, you experience that in his church, the physical embodiment of the presence of God, of his kingdom. So therefore, it shouldn't be surprising to us that in one second, when Jesus announces his kingdom, the next second he immediately gets to work by building up his church. He's calling the 12 disciples here. Now, 12 is the number of tribes in Israel, and in the New Testament, 12 symbolizes the people of God, and in the New Testament, this is God's new covenant community, the church being built and raised up. And this is really important. But Jesus is not, doesn't just call individuals to come and follow him, although certainly that's a part of his ministry. Wow, and do the, the things that he, um, he himself has been doing. So, for example, later on in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus commissions the 12 for ministry. He sends them out to, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to invite others into the community. And so what Jesus does is first he announces the kingdom, he builds up the church, and then he sends the church out for mission. I think a lot of us coming from... Um, evangelical models sometimes mix up that order. We think that Jesus calls individual disciples and then gathers them together and forms the church. But it's a different order. It is church first and then mission and evangelism. So who does Jesus call? Who does Jesus build the church with? Well, what he does is he goes to some podunk, backwards, unheard of corner of the empire, and he finds fishermen. And he says to those fishermen, follow me. Jesus doesn't go to Jerusalem. He doesn't call the educated scribes or the, the most um, seasoned uh, priests. He doesn't call high officials in the king's court. He doesn't go to the military and seek out um, authoritative leaders. No, instead he goes to the outskirts. He calls these burly, uneducated, definitely smelly fishermen. And very uh, similar, oh, it, this, this reminds me actually from our, uh, of the Kenyan liturgy that we've been using the last couple of weeks. Do you remember that, that line from the liturgy where it says, from a wandering nomad, you created a family. For a burdened people, you raised up a leader. You see, Jesus invites his, his wandering, burdened, ordinary, sometimes smelly people into his kingdom. And in the same way he invites them, he invites all of you as well. Jesus enters into the ordinary places of your home and of your work. He steps into those places. He sees you making lattes at Starbucks, or he sees you pushing pixels at your desk, and he leans over to you and he says, come and follow me. From an anxious, lonely, and tired people, he's creating Restoration Anglican. So Jesus inaugurates the kingdom, and then secondly, he invites you to participate in it. He invites you into the fellowship of his kingdom, into the fellowship of his church, so that you can be an icon of the kingdom to a lost and broken world. 
So this Sunday is um, special to Christians of, of various traditions throughout our country right now. This is uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. So that is the affirmation that human life is precious to God. And while this certainly applies to every life from womb to tomb, uh, we especially lament on this day how easy and common it is in our society to discard the lives of the unborn. Now, this is a, a difficult matter, obviously, to bring up because statistically speaking, it's quite likely that there are men and women even here in this room who are watching our live stream who've perhaps um, participated in that kind of regrettable decision. But why is it that I bring that up here and now in this kind of passage, in a passage of, of Jesus talking to fishermen and proclaiming his kingdom? Why do I bring up such a divisive and, and gut-wrenching issue in the midst of that? Because, brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God is good. It is very, very good. Jesus says in verse 15 at the beginning, he says, repent and believe in the gospel. You see, the kingdom of God is good because this is where sin and shame and guilt are finally dealt with. They're actually taken care of here in this moment. We see this. The kingdom of God is, is not a new slogan that we just stick in our yard. It's not a, a good piece of advice that we can post onto Instagram. The kingdom of God is not a, a new political agenda, nor is it a new type of spirituality. Now, certainly it might lead to some of those things, obviously, but the core reality of the gospel is this. The center, at the center of the kingdom is the cross. You see, by the power of Christ's victory, we can all repent and we can believe. We can participate in the kingdom of God with purity and cleanliness and beauty and joy, right? You see, Jesus wouldn't say these kinds of things. He wouldn't call his people to repent and believe unless he is actually making a way for it to truly, in fact, happen. He's the one who hangs from the cross and declares out across the entire globe, it is finished. He conquered the powers that enslave humanity. And he fills us with his life-giving, peace-proclaiming, joy-exclaiming Holy Spirit. You can be freed from whatever demon it is that haunts your soul, brothers and sisters. Maybe it's the shame of a past decision that feels unspeakable. Maybe it's the regret of, of not being there for a friend in their dire uh, time of need. You see, we all carry something. We all carry something like a heavy bol or boulder in our, in our backpack or something that like weighs us down, Right? Elsewhere, Jesus Christ says this. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You see, friends, the son of God died for sinners like you and like me so that we may enter freely into the joy of his kingdom. So Jesus inaugurates the kingdom of God. You were invited into the kingdom and it is a very good kingdom. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.